Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is DJ Hillier, and you are listening to another edition of the MyFit Podcast. This past weekend, I had the chance to get away, get a vacation with my fiance and her family down in Clearwater Beach, Florida. We had a great time in the sun. And while I was there, I was able to connect with Ben Patrick, otherwise known as the knees over toes guy. For those of you that are in the fitness space listening, you probably have heard of knees over toes guy, or you follow him on Instagram as he has almost 1 million followers. And he's really just on a mission to change the fitness industry. And he's doing a phenomenal job job. And I was so pumped and honored to be able to network, meet with him and get a workout with him while I was on vacation. For those of you guys that don't know who Ben is, Ben is the founder of Athletic Truth Group, also called ATG, where his mission is to help athletes train as well as everyday fitness enthusiasts get out of pain. Ben has trained over a thousand athletes in 50 countries around the world and has worked with countless NBA players, NFL players, and Olympic champions along the way. Ben's training methods started with training himself through debilitating knee pain as a high school basketball player and has now reshaped the way the fitness industry looks at training athletes as a whole. And like I said, uh, Ashley and I had the chance to drop in to his gym, get a workout in. And then we also got a chance to film a really quick podcast episode. Unfortunately, neither of us were mic'd up. So I apologize in advance for the audio. It's a little bit hard to hear, um, but hopefully this interests you guys and you guys can go check out more that he has coming. And hopefully we can have him on the show again in the future. But some of the topics we got into are first, how did Ben become the knees over toes guy? He has a great story that led him to where he is today. Then we talked about why backwards walking is really the foundation to knees over toes and the foundation to optimal knee health. Then we talked about how knees over toes impacts all of your joints. It's not just your knees. After that, we talked about the top three exercises to improve your vertical. Ben has a passion for training basketball players, playing basketball. And as most people know, in the game of basketball, vertical is huge. And Ben has shown through his methods how in, uh, people's athletes' verticals have increased by working with, by working with Ben. After that, we talked about understanding the benefits of sled work. The first thing we did when we walked in the gym, Ben put Ashley and I through a little bit of a sled cardio piece uh, that got us breathing hard right away and showed us kind of the benefits of how you can use the sled to get your cardio, to have low impact, and ultimately to use the knees over toes methods. After that, we talked about using knees over toes to achieve deeper ranges of motion and kind of take a mobility uh, approach to it. Then at the end, we talked about how Ben views pain as an opportunity. This is a super uh, awesome, 
opportunity that I had to to work with Ben and to meet Ben. And it's just so cool that uh, by creating this podcast and by reaching out and networking with other people, I was able to connect with Ben. He's such a busy guy. He has so much on his plate. And so I was really honored just to have the opportunity an hour or an hour and a half to meet him in person and kind of go through his training methodologies and then have a conversation with him after. I think you guys will really enjoy this as well. And like I said, if you're not following these over toes on Instagram, you should open up your app and follow him and see what he's up to. And as always, if you guys enjoyed this show and you've been listening for a while, please be sure to leave a rating and review as that helps my show grow tremendously. I thank you all for the continued support. I really hope you enjoy this show with Ben Patrick, aka Knees Over Toes Guy. Let's go. Ben, welcome to the MyFit Podcast. Although I feel like I should be saying welcome to this oh, awesome gym, man. Thanks for having me. This is the best. Welcome yeah. to my place and thanks for having me yeah, on man, your podcast. This is, this is super cool. You have an awesome gym. You're making big waves in the fitness industry. I feel just lucky to be here. So, uh, first of all, knees over toes, right? Everybody yeah. knows what knees over toes is. Where did it come from? I know at one point I listened to you, you weren't able to put knees over toes. Right. Tell me a little about your story. How did you get to knees over toes? Yeah, so basketball is a sport that puts a lot of pressure on knees. A lot of people have problems. And I knew from an early age I didn't have good genetics for basketball. So I overtrained starting at 9, 10, 11, jump programs, all this stuff. So by the time I was 12, chronic knee pain that didn't let up until my 20s when I started actually like learning and mastering my knees. So I was from 12 to 20, I was trying, trying, trying. By 18, I had finished high school, no college recruitment, partially artificial kneecap, and it's this cramp, quad tendon repair. So. I went through the ringer and I was always told, don't let your knees over your toes. So when I first saw a clue from Charles Pollock that said the athlete whose knee can go farthest and strongest over the toes has the least chance of injury, like that instantly made sense. And now it's been a journey basically like, how do we make that? How do we make that? How do we make that safe? You know? funny because I remember even, I mean, I was in high school only 10 years ago, but I remember the tail end of my high school career, even putting knees over toes was taboo. It was always toes forward, knees stay, just in line of them, right? Yeah. It's only 10 years ago, so some of this stuff is really new. You faced any kind of, I don't know, has there been adversity through this, trying to enforce this idea that's been taboo for so many years? What kind of problems have you faced? Oh, yeah. Years? Yeah, how to educate and turn it into something that's step by step, sure. because if you think about it, you know, just preventing people from knees over toes without understanding the subject, that has not worked. It's like people have been trying to do that for decades and the results have been disastrous. Weak knees, people having you know, surgery rates skyrocketing. But short term, just trying to force people into something they're not good at. So it's like, how do you go from not being good at it to good at it? And this is actually a cool little background. So in one part of the world, in Asia, they've passed on from generation to generation backward walking. And if you watch backward walking in slow motion, you see that it's actually knees over toes. Meanwhile, there was Finnish, meaning Scandinavian, uh, strong men, power lifters, and they were known for like crazy strong knees, right? And so, you have you heard of Louis Simmons, power lifters? Okay, so Louis Simmons, was studying and trying to figure out why these Finnish guys were so strong and they credited it to being in the forestry industry and dragging trees backwards. So on, so you have two independent pieces of data. So Louis Simmons then was kind of, he popularized the idea that a sled was a form of exercise, right? And the reason a sled 
would be the fundamental versus just doing weights with your knees over your toes. Is if you think about a squat, you have to go down with the squat to come back up. So if, think about my mom, 67 years old. If I put a certain amount of weight on that squat, she would potentially injure herself by going knees over toes or really any, you know, trying to squat it. So with the sled though, I mean, it could weigh 10,000 pounds, it just wouldn't move. So there's a fundamental difference that with weights, the weight moves you, then you move the weight. Whereas with the sled, only you move the sled for it. So that kind of, you know, uh, got it into the system. Like, okay, sled is part of exercise. And then my mentor, Charles Pollock, who I mentioned, he studied with Louis Simmons. And he started using backward sled for Olympians who were like, oh, you won't compete again. And then Charles Pollock was helping them win gold medals by rehabilitating his ability. So if all I could ever talk about in relation to knees over toes, even though you see the ACG split squat of this stuff, which I only train once a week, well, if all I could talk about was just going back to the sled, I would be totally fine with that because that would at least get in the fundamental that it's not, it's not just some accessory thing that, you know, is perhaps the human fundamental. Right. And people talk about, I'm, I'm from the CrossFit space, and something that was popularized really well in CrossFit space is being able to get to full depth. And in our sport, we have to be able to get into full depth and squat for the reps account. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I see you do is trying to get into full range of motion, get into full depth. It's kind of a mobility thing, if you would agree. And I think now more than ever, people are more cautious of their mobility. So when you speak to somebody about trying to increase their mobility, how do you use knees over toes in order for them to get into a full depth squat? I think something I think about that is when people lose their ability to squat to full depth, they kind of lose their quality of life in a way, no matter yeah. what age that is. Once yeah. they're not able to go below parallel, not able to play with grandkids, do all those things. Talk about how does range of motion play a role with knees over toes? Why is it such a focus? Yeah. So with the joint, as you said, once when you're not taking a joint below 90 degrees, let's say, your body's not aware that you're fully using the joint. For a joint to get maximum nutrients, carried by the synovial fluid, which is like the oil that delivers those nutrients to the joint. It has to have two things, motion and compression. So with motion alone, like motion alone is better than no motion. However, for, for joint health, you actually do need compression. So what I do is this sort of regression of squatting, taking it one side at a time, this astrograph foot squat, which, which scales literally to like putting your foot on a table and just bending your knee. Right? So you can actually start getting motion and compression at a lower level than was ever like broadly talked about. So for my knees, I had to start, like just today, we were working on it. You and your fiance are phenomenal at it. Like, Thank you. like where, where you guys are at now probably took me four years. You see what I mean? So that's why my story is like, you know, so uh, shocking to people is because of where I started from. So I, I was a guy who, shouldn't have ever played sports again and wound up getting a Division One scholarship. Right. I was a guy who shouldn't have, you know, the doctor said my knee wouldn't ever fully bend again. Like he said, like, don't go below parallel and like your left knee won't ever fully bend. Yeah. Yet now I have crazy. So it just goes to show that the human body can do a lot of adaptation. Um, if you find the right route. Right, so my, my next question then would be, where do you start? I think about the person who, like yourself, they have a lot of limitations, or let's say they're in their 60s or 70s, and they want they want to get on board with some of this knees over toes stuff, but they don't know where to start. Where is, if we're gonna progress them in the right way, because I think that's important too, we're not starting with loaded ATG squats. Exactly. Where do you start somebody? You start with the backward slide. 
So first you look to find a gym around you that has a sled. You probably will find one, you know what I mean? Maybe it's off in the corner. Maybe they don't even have a belt to go backward. Maybe no one in that gym has ever dragged a sled backward, but they probably have a sled somewhere. If you can't find a gym with a sled, then you see if you can afford one of these torque fitness tank sleds that has an internal resistance. Um, those are so easy to use. I've used them with 82 year olds from the first try without any prior exercise experience. Uh, how do you progress that? Because I think what people want to do is they want to go from uh, point A to point Z like yeah. that. But you said it took you four years just to get to where we were today. How yeah. do you slowly progress somebody yeah. without them taking off too much or more than they can chew? Absolutely. So first off, with the backward alone, you can, you know, you can make progress for quite a long time. I think just with the backward concept, that's building up strength. That's getting circulation to heal. You're getting stronger. So you're getting stronger through your knees, not to mention your feet. Um, even you know, by by going forward as well, you're even getting the glutes stronger and stuff without the stress. So even even with a weak knee start getting weak like all the way up the chain so that the sled forward and backward but we do basically like a two to one ratio of backward okay um that lays the foundation and then my program is all about actually coaching people's form on these regressions which are not overused which are the uh you know so we're hitting we're hitting it from all kind of different angles all kind of little muscles people have to train areas of mobility people have to train, that it all adds up. But like in the ATG program, we ATG split squat, my favorite exercise on Monday. But my favorite tool is the sled and we do that before every session. So that's so from the split squat to every other little detail, it's all about enhancing that mobility, joint strength, you know, all those things. So it's, it's uh, in, in many ways, it's kind of like a, new way of thinking about training it takes precise coaching it takes precise progressions but it's all pretty intuitive you can pick it up but like anything else like if you want to get good at crossfit like you know you have to study it it's it's its own subject like olympic weightlifting what are the odds of someone getting good at olympic weightlifting by themselves first with someone who has experienced that so it doesn't mean it can't be done but seriously like like what do you think someone's chances are like getting good at a way of thing just like on their own yeah, without I think they might get some quick gains right away maybe a little bit and then you're gonna hit a huge stall right yeah. I mean I, th- I have had a coach my entire career so I, I I'm I swear by it right having somebody yeah. else there to be able to watch you so I think there's only a certain point you can get to before you probably need a coach yeah. after that or it's just a, a numbers game of a lot less chance yes. you know what I mean yes like yeah. so yeah so so it's the same thing with this is Know, getting coached through it, learning progressions. And now for you, like at some point along the line, you learn certain things that now you're able to teach others. So it's the same thing. It's like, like that's my passion. It's not the person who's like, who like replies on a comment. It's like, I tried this in a session and my knee pain of six years went away. Like that's cool, but that actually, that just indicates that they're finally getting circulation in an area that they haven't been able to get circulation. But that would actually be in ignoring the science of how a joint changes, which is actually that muscles can grow and strengthen, but tendons can grow and strengthen too, but it takes longer actually. Like a tendon takes longer because it gets less blood supply. And a ligament takes even longer than that. And for cartilage degeneration, it probably takes even longer than that. So I, I believe they all can change but kind of inversely in how long they take. So my passion is when I see that someone like actually really understands it and now it's like, oh, now I'm like 
helping my mom with, you know, because that shows like they actually got it to the point to teach someone else. Yeah, absolutely. My, as I was getting ready for this interview coming down here, uh, my dad was looking into some of your stuff and he had a, a broken ankle playing high school football. Wow. Ever since then, it's just been kind of yep. whatever. And, and he works out. We, we train together once a week um, and he tried some of your stuff just in three days. So not a whole lot here, but just doing the season sit and being able to kind of get into those positions. He texted me this morning. He said even after three days of doing some of that stuff, his ankle feels better. Pretty amazing stuff. Wow. So but when, when people think of you, Ben Patrick, they probably think of knees over toes. They think it's just for the knee. But we see in this example, his ankle feels better. Tell me about how is it just not the knee? It's also a hip ankle and really it's full body. But if exactly. we look at the other joints too, it's not just knee. Exactly. And it starts right with the sled is that no longer, okay, leg presses, foot, flat, leg extensions, foot, not even engaged. So like all the rehab I even did after my knee injuries never went through the feet and ankles. So even when I had some moments where I thought my knees were good, my shin splints were horrific. Right? So it's like, and then the ankles were really bad. And so it's like, how do I get out of all this? So every step you're taking with this leg, you're actually mobilizing through your big toe, your foot, your ankle. Not to mention then, okay, if we have a lifetime of resistance training, whether it be bench presses or push-ups, pull-ups, right? Lifetime of resistance training, altering our natural muscle mass, only never for like our tibialis muscles. You see what I mean? Yeah. Never taking a measurable load to failure for these lower areas. So yeah, the, the whole idea is not even that the knees are out of proportion to the rest of the body, but you saw it today, like how hard was that Nordic? Yeah. And that's not even knees, over, that's the opposite. That's, <laughs> right. the, that's behind the knee. Right. No, no, we're just trying to have great feet, right. great ankles right. on both sides, great knees on both sides, great hips on both sides, great shoulders on both sides, elbows, wrists. So that's. That's actually the program, but I don't know how to create an Instagram name. <laughs> right, right. Because I was okay with the fact, like, if people only think it's knees, right. and they only learn that a backward sled is actually knees over toes, and it's actually going to be gentle and weenie. Like, I'd be okay with that. You have a basketball background, and you talk a lot about being able to dunk, yeah. and I'm curious if you were to pick three of your knees over toes exercises to help improve vertical, to help somebody dunk. What were your three Sledge, exercises? Sledge, let's go on <laughs> And what would that look like? Those were the three design? things we worked That's on. That's what we today. did today, yeah. And, 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 yeah, talk to me about those three, why, why those three, kind of what a volume progression would look like. How would you go about that? Yeah, so the reason the sled is because when you're getting out of pain, and you're stimulating that strength, getting circulation. So like the slide allows you to get stronger, but in the most pain-free way, the easiest to recover way. So just, just being out of pain and being able to get into proper jump positioning. Like when you can go out and jump without pain, you make a lot more jump progress because the jumping itself is a ton of force. So that's why the slide would be the foundation. Plus it conditions your legs. So think in basketball, it's like, I was always stuck against, I want to jump higher, but to get in shape, now I go run a bunch of miles. Now I have no bounce, and it's like, what the heck? So the sled, it's like, whoa, I get to get my cardio in. Like, how tough was that cardio? Hard, dude. <laughs> hit me, hit me like some bricks. <laughs> Probably like in your top five yeah, or dude. 10 It was hard, cardio. I was expecting that. <laughs> right, so it allows me to get my cardio, but in a way that makes me bouncier and healthier. Like, whole, usually, usually it's the opposite. Usually you only get to have one of the three. Either you get the strength, but it's harder to recover from for your joints, you know what I mean? Or you get recovery for your joints, but now you're out of shape and weaker. So the sled solves all three, so it makes it much easier to jump higher. Then the split squat solves a lot of the weak lower body issues. And again, it's like, if I just drive up quote unquote lower body strength, but not the person's back in pain, or you know what I mean? So so the split squat is the is my favorite stretch strength thing. So it's, it's giving us the mobility and the strength. And, and again, it's like, I've made an insane jump transformation. 
but no one has ever tried to make their lower body strength transformation through the ATG split squat. You see what I mean? So it's a totally unorthodox approach of taking the sled and taking the split squat. So I'm taking my favorite rehab exercise and my favorite stretch exercise, and those become the driving power to jump higher. And then the third one, the reason I say the Nordic, is because that's usually such a weak link. So it, it actually doesn't even mean that the Nordic is like a primary power producer, but most people have already spent so much time trying to squat and deadlift, but can't harness their own strength. You see what I mean? So the Nordic, usually people with those three, with the sled, ATG split squat Nordic, those are usually going to tap into massive potential. What are those two, just from a far bend, is it seems like the volume is pretty low. Yep. Talk to me about why that is and how often do you like prescribing this stuff? And then also, too, is there, is there too much? Can you do too much of some of your program? Exactly. And that's why I really specific with the volumes. And I use the sled as the driving force because it allows us to get a high amount of overall workout. And then you're also, you're so warm that it reduces the need for like mobile, you know, mobilizations. It reduces the need for as many warm up sets. Like you're, like you're already warm for all your sets. So all of a sudden three to six sets of split squats for six to 10 reps. Well, if a guy's in season, I can just have to go three sets of 10, really good form. But six sets of six each leg, you can build some muscle with that. Then with the Nordic, we have three sets of three to five right now on Mondays and Thursdays. Someone could use a hamstring control machine if they want. It's probably another podcast for another yeah, day yeah. just to talk about knee flexion. Right. But the idea is that since you're fighting down on each rep, that's a really high force exercise. So that's actually more like adaptation power than it sounds. Every rep is hard. It's not, it's not like peaking for a squat or deadlift workout where you really only do, like let's say you peaked for a deadlift workout. How much time under tension did you spend actually at maximum exertion? So when you even do three sets of three to five where you're fighting down each rep on a Nordic, you probably just spend more actual time under tension at max exertion on your hamstrings than most people would do in a much longer workout. Yeah. yeah, the Nordic is great. It's one of my favorite exercises. That I've got a chance to work with some really high-level football players, and the ones that are the twitchiest and the fastest that play at the University of Minnesota, they're able to go down, touch their nose, and they come back up. And I'm like, there's a correlation here. There's a reason exactly. why they can do that, and the other player who maybe is as fit, not as fast, can't do it. There's got to be some correlation with speed. Exactly. I'll bet if you measured like deadlift to Nordic ratios, okay. I'll bet you would find, okay, you're a coach. People who haven't actually coached a lot of people, they don't, they can argue it all they want, but to actually experience it, you know what I'm talking about. The freaks are so much better at Nordics than the guys. There's a reason. Athletic. There's a reason for it, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, it just means that every time you stride out, your hip is the primary engine, but now how much of that can you actually harness? So the hamstring then has to harness the power of the hip, and then the ankle has to harness the power of the hamstring. For example, in elite sprinters, they found that once an elite sprinter has had a foot or ankle injury, they're now way more likely to injure a hamstring. What the heck? Because if the, if the ankle now is not harnessing, now you're like overdoing the hamstring. The point is just that they're all related. So even if you say, oh, deadlift is the front, you know, hip is the primary engine. Okay, that's fine for it to be the primary engine, but if the natural freaks can deadlift X amount of weight naturally 
and have super strong Nordic, and now you start with a super weak Nordic and a super weak deadlift, and you only drive up the deadlift, well, don't be surprised that you're not like the natural freak. Totally. And the Nordics are really hard. We got to see it today. Uh, we did a modification for Ashley. Talk to me about how can people modify and still get that full range, still get that feeling, because it is a difficult exercise yeah, you would have been. Starts that it would be okay to do the hamstring curl twice a week. Get, you know, just if you haven't been training knee flexion, so a lot of crossfitters, um, you know, again, since it's not like the primary engine, um, it's not like a hamstring curl is not necessarily metabolically demanding, although we could maybe argue that Nordic is maybe pretty metabolically demanding. So it would be okay twice a week to just be working on a hamstring curl. That I would do for higher reps. Um, or for feeling blood flow. Then you'd start to work down you know, once a week on the Nordic. So just fighting down on the Nordic, you could probably get years. Fighting down, you mean eccentric? Exactly. So slowing down, these Exactly. Okay, cool. You could probably get years of gain on that. It's so depressing at first that I think most people, it's like, oh, I tried that. But if you look at it, they tried it like once a week for like six weeks. But what if you actually just even just tried to fight down? What if you actually did that one to two times a week for 10 years? You see what I mean? So, so there is just that consistency factor. But that's where I love the Nordic bench, and that's where we have a super specific technique on going up because it makes it how much more fun is that to go up totally. and only go down? So we're still working the way down. Right. And it really does, like in a CrossFit gym, it would scale perfectly with using the, the blocks for jerks and right. stuff to elevate the Nordic bench, and you have everyone can do the same motion. Right. So just if I'm reading you right, eccentrics first for a while, master that, being able to go down, and then if we want to work on the way up, let's put blocks or something underneath you to eliminate yeah. the range of yeah. motion. So if, people are listening and so if you're in like a CrossFit gym that has, so if you have a Nordic bench and you have jerk blocks from day one, you could start, you could start with it elevated and work down and up. Cool. And to me, that's the most fun. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, we did have fun doing it for sure. Um, so I think a lot of people too, Ben, they think of this stuff as, um, let's say more rehab than prehab. Tell yeah. me about how is it also prehab? It's not just hey, I just got a, I just got knee surgery. Now I need knees over toes. Yeah. Not that we got to do this before. This is more bulletproof. Right. That's. I mean, that, and that's probably the big disconnect. Is you think of physiotherapy, yeah. and you think of exercise, sure. and you think of them as two different things. You know, and and really, they they can be one and the same. You know what I mean? So that's this is my style of exercise. Like like think about that slightly. Like we just got to work at yeah, it. Do it. And so I do think for me that was. Probably the most helpful thing I've done for people is take something like a backward sled that even when I started with that, it was like, oh, if you're like coming off a knee surgery, you do this. It wasn't, it, it took years even for me to realize, now wait a second, why wouldn't I keep that in my program? You see what I mean? So it's kind of a bunch of, it's a bunch of physiotherapy concepts turned into a style of exercise to work. Ash and I got to experience the sled for the people that aren't here. What was the sled workout? Let them know. So the exact workout we did was 100 meters forwards and 100 meters backwards. And depending on your, the space, you would so you would set up your sled with the push handles like a road dog sled. You're belted up to it. You sweep the belt out of the way of your feet so that you're able to push forward and then immediately go backwards. So like in this space, we get 12 and a half meters. So, it's, so by going down and back eight times, we ended up getting eight times going 12 and a half meter forward, eight times going 12 and a half meter backward, but we didn't stop. So like it was one continuous set, starting intentionally slow, working through the foot fascia, and then gradually, gradually increasing effort. So that's the first thing we do, like walk in the gym, and we slide, and we start intentionally slow, and as the blood flow increases, as we get better circulation, we gradually increase effort, effort, effort. So by the end, we're able to go at 100% effort, 
but never having to work through pain in the process. And like if that was all you did in five minutes and walked out, that's still a pretty good investment okay for the body. Day. Like that would be a good investment for the body. Right. And you talked a little bit too about what type of weight that you like to see on the slide. Do you remember yeah. that was? Well, it's going to depend on different surfaces and sleds. So any place I go into, within a couple of weeks, I can figure out like what tends to be ideal. You know, so like we had we had an amount of weight we've seen work here, and the, the whole idea is that like if it's too light, it kind of just turns into running. We actually need it to it needs to be enough to slow us down. Like a grind. That actually makes it less jarring pressure, more time under tension. So it needs to slow us down, but it also can't be so heavy that we can't get natural steps. So you'll find you'll find in any place. And that weight actually will feel best, meaning you'll you'll feel a burn without pain. And so like if it's painful and or not getting a burn, you're gonna need to adjust up and down. And then you'll find your weight, and then you can actually just always use that weight. Sure. And then should the goal to be to progress to heavier weight, or is there a time then where you you're actually like, just get faster? Right. That's so like you would still start out slow, but it would become more like, okay, by the end of that hundred meters. How fast am I able to go? You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's a, it's actually like a really different. Usually, you would think to like start heavy and then back down or something. You know what I mean? Or you like you would like go all out and then fatigue. But we're we're doing the other way. We're actually training like how much can we exert as we tap ourselves out in terms of you know blood flow and stuff like that. So at the beginning of the conversation, we talked about that the easiest thing you can do is do backwards walking with the sled. Yeah. What about just backwards walking in general? A lot of people do it leisurely, just walking. Yeah. Would you say, you know, if somebody's going on a walk every day, maybe it's instead of a 20 minute walk forward, would you say, hey, let's do 10 minutes forward, 10 minutes backwards? If Probably you don't need, need the weights per se? A lot of people have found results with that. I did mine with the sled. So the best thing I can do is just make clear the route I took. But if you look that the Chinese passed this on from generation to generation, just a backward walking, and a lot of people will even notice if they've been in different communities where there were, you know, they've actually seen Chinese elderly walking backwards out in fields. They they do this to prevent cartilage breakdown in their knees. So, you know, there does seem to be some effect of just the backward walking alone. But I would kind of say it like, okay, backward walking can probably keep you healthier to walk forward. Some people even will swear by. So, like, I would say that would be a valid warm up for my workout. If like if walking backward, I would say it's valid. But even for someone like I've had people say by doing jogging backward before their workouts, that allowed them to get back to being able to jog forwards or by sprinting backward to be able to sprint forward without pain. So there's pretty cool research on all this stuff. Yeah. They did a study on 13 to 15 year old kids, two groups, one did forward sprints, one did backward sprints. At the end, the backward sprinting group got faster than the forward sprinting group by running forward and gained way more vertical jump. So it's just tapping into like weak areas. So. But that doesn't mean I think like, oh, now you're 45 years old, go start sprinting backward. Right. I always believe that the slide is gonna be the most effective, eat no matter how old you are, because it slows down how jarring it is, you know what I mean? And it just gives you that resistance and that pain-free pressure. So that's the route I took. Have I tried backward walking? Have I tried backward sprinting? Absolutely, but I have I done 90 plus percent. With the slide, definitely. Yeah, cool. The uh, last thing I want to talk about is just a little bit about, about pain. And yeah. I heard you on a podcast one time say that you look at pain as an opportunity, kind of get excited about it because you can work through it, and also you can be able to eventually help other people that go through it. Talk to me about how does pain play a role in knees over toes, and how do you view when you have kind of a nick or pain? Because I think everybody's been there at yeah. some point or another, especially in high-level athletics. Yeah, and, and a pain would be an opportunity to get better. Yes. So a pain would indicate that there's something there in mobility or strength, like your tissues can't handle something that's going on. 
So if you now figure out the right exercises, the right formula that handles that pain, you can run faster, jump higher. So it's, it's actually like a, pain is like a performance opportunity. So if you think about times you're like plateaued, it can be really hard in any physical pursuit if you're running into pain. Like pain can just plateau your strength efforts. So, but rather than thinking of that as like, oh, now I have to avoid that activity I wanted to do. Thinking about it more like, ooh, where's my weak point? Where's my weak and or tight link? And by driving that up, I'll perform better. And that was <laughs> Charles Paulquin who I mentioned. This is a quote from someone who went to one of his seminars. I just, someone commented on a YouTube post last night and they said basically that, that Charles Paulquin thought you could fix anything if you didn't bitch out on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> There's some truth to that. But that's so him. <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 I do have an underlying belief, like you can make things work. Okay. It doesn't mean that every marriage is going to work, and that every, it's, it's not an absolute statement, but it is like a general way of thinking about it. You know what I mean? Right. That like there is some science there that can help you, but are you going to bitch out on it too soon? You know what I mean? You know? Okay, I'm super happy about my dunking, but I'm six one. My Jordan is 6'6", can I jump, can I jump from the foul line? No, I can't do that. So it's not, it's, you know, if you think of it in just degrees of winning for yourself, you know what I mean? I do, I do believe in that statement. Like you can fix, improve, like you, you've never had someone come into your gym that you say, okay, judging by your genetics, you will not be able to get any stronger. You know what I mean? Like, like will everyone do the same amount of chin-ups? No. But can people get stronger at that motion? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, What's your mission? Let's sneeze over to those guys' mission. Uh, slides in every gym and just it would be cool if it was common knowledge that it's like before people instantly are jumping to painkillers and all this stuff that there was places they could go and like at least start sledding and sure. stuff like that sure. so that's that's my current mission awesome. yeah. hey man I really appreciate having us dude I appreciate you for awesome. coming here Super in person cool. thanks guys thanks for tuning in I really appreciate it we'll see you next week for another episode of MyFit Podcast take care